From Silverdale, Washington, this is the Story Night Podcast. We tell stories here. My name is Stephen Gardner, and I'm the host of the podcast and of Story Night Events. This podcast episode is episode number 68, for those of you scoring at home. Nobody wants to hear the nonsensical ravings of a loudmouth malcontent. In case the title of this week's podcast wasn't enough of a clue, the story is not for the squeamish. It involves something our body does sometimes at inopportune times. We mostly outgrow it by the time we're about three years old, but an illness can make it happen again. The story was told by Chris Cornelis. It was in April of 2016 when the theme was Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time. Posting this story seemed like a good idea at the time. At any rate, here's Chris. So my story starts in Moscow, Idaho in 2002, and it's going to end down the street in uh, 2013, depending on how fast we see the red flag. So I'm going to start. It, it, was a, it was a really nice day. I think it was a Friday. Actually, I'm certain it was a Thursday. And um, I was going to school in Moscow, Idaho, and my friend Tony, he was rounding up his friends to go to his brother-in-law's birthday party. Because his brother-in-law, with your eyes, could tell you that he had no interest in talking to you at all. And he, therefore, didn't have a whole lot of friends as, as a result. So he would round his, Tony rounded up you know, his own friends from this, this guy's birthday party at a restaurant called Wingers, which was not a very good restaurant. Um, but we were all having fun at uh, lunch, and everything was going just fine. Everyone was having a good time until I started to not have a very good time. And I don't know exactly what it was, but I started to feel some uncomfortableness and some pressure like below my stomach and uh, started getting kind of bad so I got up and I, and I excused myself and I went to the bathroom but the uh, it was really it was really bad the stalls must have been out of commission for a month I mean, there was like toilet paper like caution tape like in front of them and n- nothing was going to happen in there so I was like alright I'm three miles from home I got to ride back to the apartment in a few minutes this will be fine so I went down and I sat down and I was like, you know what, this is actually going from bad to worse really fast. And so I got the check. I said, like, you know, I'd like to pay. I thought things were starting to, uh, to hurry up. But then this uh, guest of honor, all of a sudden his parents showed up from Spokane unannounced. And they sat down and I was like, oh, this is great. Are you going to pick them up for something? And they're like, no, no, no. Can we get some menus over here, please? I was like, oh my gosh. So things really started getting kind of uncomfortable. And I start feeling some things downstairs that, that I really, really was not feeling like happening. So I went back to the bathroom again, hoping it maybe had been cleaned up. And uh, no, nothing had changed except for I was starting to perspire in places I wouldn't admit existed to my grandmother. And I uh, went back to the table and I was like, this is going to be it. And right when I got back to the table, the, the guest of honor's parents picked up the check for the whole table. Everybody who had already paid their check, that is. So uh, we get into the, my friend Brian's giving me a ride home. And I said, Brian, I don't want to unnecessarily alarm you. But if you don't step on it, I'm going to take out the interior of your Bronco, like right now. And so he's like, okay, okay. And he gets me, he, he really did his best. But it was like Moscow, Idaho traffic. And... The good, the good news was that I started feeling better, and I hoped it was a false alarm, but it wasn't. And uh, some bad things happened to Brian's Bronco that day. And um, the weird thing was, is that I was 20 years old, and I didn't wear underwear. I just wore jeans. 
Except, except that like the day before, my mom had sent me a three pack of tidy whities. So like, why underwear comes in the color white, I will never know. But so, anyways, but like I said, like I didn't wear underwear at the time, so I didn't really know what to do with it. So, I mean, I was just a dude living in Moscow, Idaho, with my roommate. So I, I you know, wadded them up and threw them in the back of my closet behind my drum set, and you know, I was done with them. And, uh, you know, this was the end of spring, it was about to be summer, and I had a summer job lined up in Wisconsin. So I don't know what happened to the underwear, but I went to my job in Wisconsin. I was going to come back to the apartment the next year. So I get, uh, I have this job at a, a summer camp. So I fly to Chicago, I grab a car, my brother's car. I, and it's really supposed to be a simple drive from Illinois to Wisconsin. And it took longer than I thought it was going to take. And all of a sudden I see a sign that says, Welcome to Michigan. And I was like, damn it. And uh, I asked the guy, I said, do you know, where, you, know where, you, know, you know where I'm supposed to go? And he pointed across the lake. And he said, yeah, it's over there. But you know, you got to drive two hours to get back there. I was like, all right. So I finally get to the summer camp. And I pull in like six hours late. And this beautiful uh, brunette hangs over the awning of this farmhouse we're going to live in. She's like, hey, I hear you got lost. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, shucks. I'm just fine. Yeah. And she kind of took pity, pity on me for the summer. And at the end of the summer, um, I asked her if she wanted to stay in touch. I was like, we've kind of been in touch for the last couple months. Like, you want to stay in touch? And uh, we did. And a couple months later, she moved out. And she said, I'm going to live with you. I'm going to move in with you in, in Moscow, Idaho. And I said, this is great. And, uh, but I'd never lived with a girl before. So I didn't really know what, what you did. So like, she was, I was like, what do you need? And she said, well, you know, just whatever. You know, I, she said, I don't need much. I'm just coming out with what I can fit in the back of my car. She's like... I don't, I don't need a, my own bedroom, obviously. Just like, I want to put my stuff in the closet, and then that, that's it. And I was like, all right, no problem. So she comes out. She moves in with me. It's going really well. I'm 21 at this point. The next year, I'm 22, and we get married. We, we, we get our own place. And uh, we're still hanging out with Brian and Tony, though. And uh, Brian and Tony, they just love the story about the time I shit myself in Brian's Bronco. And, uh, and, you know, every time there was a pitcher of beer handy, they would say, you know, Chris, tell the story, tell the story. And, and one time, uh, my new wife, uh, Betsy, was sitting at the table when we were telling the story. And so I get, I, I get into it, and I was like, oh, should I shit myself and Brian's Bronco? And I threw the tidy whities in the back of the closet. And I look over, and my wife's not laughing. And I was like, what's, honey, what's the problem? What's the problem? She's like, well, you know, Chris, the thing is, is that when I was 25 years old, I decided, you know, I'm going to move to Moscow, Idaho to live with a chubby hipster. And the only thing I asked of you was to clean out a closet for me. And you didn't. And I found your shit-stained underwear in the back of the closet. And I was too embarrassed to say anything. And I wondered if I made the wrong decision, like moved from Chicago to uh, Idaho to live with you. And I say, oh, wow, I never thought about that. I never thought about what happened to the underwear. So, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time to throw the underwear in the back of the, um, of the closet, but it, it really wasn't. <laughs> and, um, well, thank you, but, you know, we're still married, and uh, I'm a lot, you know, I've gotten older now, we bought a house, we have two children, so things, uh, you know, I matured a lot. And I still didn't wear, wasn't wearing underwear, though. After the tidy whitey incident, I decided, you know, it's time to put that on hold. And I think, I, I swear I had the flu. Something was wrong. It was excusable. But 
I didn't make it all the way to the bathroom again. And so there I am in my bedroom with a pair of jeans that had just been destroyed, and I, didn't, I still don't know what to do with them. So I put them on top of the laundry basket, and I say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of take care of some business, and then I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to take these to the, into the laundry room myself so that my wife doesn't like, you know, know what's going on. And I did that. I sat down. And I, I don't know what I was doing, but I, all of a sudden I heard this familiar noise of a, of a, a washing machine door opening. And I ran to the, to the door going down to our basement. And that it's just out of a movie or something. I see my wife pull this pair of jeans off the top of the laundry basket and look at my jeans and kind of, what? 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 And she started, and then, but then she started to laugh. And uh, I realized, you know, honey, you moving out to Idaho and moving with your chubby, shit-stained hipster really was a good idea at the time. So, thank you. Thank you to Chris for your story on the night he told it, a night we had three judges providing scores. I was surprised he finished so low overall. If memory serves, it was one judge who skewed his overall total downward. Got a little squeamish. One other time at story night, one of the judges was so turned off by the content that the score was also unusually low. On that night, though, we had five judges, and we were throwing out the top and bottom scores. Chris was not treated so fairly. One of the reasons we went to a five-judge system while we were still judging. And we'll judge from time to time, at least still. Just not until July. Chris, by the way, is a writer for the Wall Street Journal, among other publications, and often writes about musicians. He's also the author of the book Rocking Fatherhood, The Dad-to-Be's Guide to Staying Cool. The book includes a foreword by Guns N' Roses bassist Duff McKagan. Story Night events are a partnership between Story Night and the Kitsap Regional Library. We have our events the first Thursday of every month at the Cloverleaf Sports Bar and Grill in Bremerton. Our next Story Night, as of this recording, is... February 1st, 2018, the theme that night is will be whatever inspires our storytellers from reading the book The Smell of Other People's Houses by Bonnie Sue Hitchcock. It's a teen-lit book, coming-of-age story that takes place in Alaska, and it's the Kitsap Regional Library's One Book, One Community selection for 2018. Come to storynight.org to find the other 67 podcast episodes and to find out about our events. On Facebook, search for the Story Night page for the same updates. And on Twitter, we're at Story Night Wah. There isn't really a song I could find or was willing to find that matched Chris's story. Instead, we'll honor Dolores O'Riordan, lead singer for the Cranberries, who died suddenly last week. The song is Dreams by the Cranberries. Thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing your story.
Got the distance. 